So we started on this journey uh, here in January, just talking about this idea of you've got this, that you've got this, that this year, no matter what we face, no matter what we go through, we'll be able to kind of stand back and say, I got this, I, I can handle it because of the team that, I, that I'm on. We've been talking about this team. Help me remember, what team are we on? Who's on the team? Oh, you uh, go, and go back to week one. Who's on the team? God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. All right, now let's try that one more time because you guys are, you guys are waking up still. God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, and who else is on the team? Us, right? We're part of this team. We have the Trinity, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And we've been talking about this in terms of a team aspect that as we walk through life, as we walk through 2019, and we're looking at what may come ahead, maybe great things, maybe some challenging things, we'll be able to walk through this and say, you know what, I got this, I'm good, because I have a great team to walk through life with. And we were talking about then, how do I grow with this team? How do I connect with this team? How do I strengthen uh, this team, and how do I fulfill my role within that team? We turned to Acts chapter 2, and we looked at the first Christians. When they first became Christians, Peter preached that great message, and then 3,000 people turn and they commit their life to Christ. And then we say, what did they do with brand new babes in Christ? And we saw in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, where it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and a breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And so we looked at that passage last week, matter of fact, and said, you know, all these new people come to Christ, and the apostles knew, what are we going to do? How are we going to grow these new young Christians? How are we going to help them connect with God? How are we going to help them grow in this new faith? Well, they broke down to smaller groups. They got into community groups or into fellowship groups. They went from home to home where it says they studied the scriptures and they ate together and they broke bread together and they prayed together. And so we uh, introduced last week to you this semester's worth of groups. In your bulletin, there's a card that looks like this. And we said, one of the key aspects to us growing our walk with God and growing with this team is to be plugged into a group. And so I want to encourage you, if you haven't done so already, to look on the back of this. It shows you all of our growth groups, some ladies' groups and a guys' group. And we added one guys' group this week because someone said, I want to do one in the evening on Thursday nights. And so you can look at that, and I would encourage you to jump into a group. In 2019, you say, how am I going to make it through this? How will I be able to say, hey, I've got this? You've got to walk with other Christians. There's no such thing as Lone Ranger Christianity. Because as you walk through life and you go through the ups and the downs, as you go through, I need some wisdom, I need some encouragement, I need some advice, you've got to do that with other people. And so we believe in that, and that's why we have groups. And so I would encourage you, if you haven't done so yet, to do that because groups launch the first week of February and make sure you get plugged in a group. Now there's another aspect in this Acts chapter 2 that I want to talk about that I think is key it's, it's the key to people walking and staying connected with the team. And so in order to introduce this idea, though, I need a volunteer who would like to make 20 bucks this morning. Max, you're the first hand I saw. Come on up here, Max. 
Come on up here. You go to that side of the stage. All right. Now, you stay on that side of the stage, and I'm going to go over here. All right, Max, I really do. I have 20 bucks. All right, this is Brian's money. All right. Um, <clears throat> you want the $20. You don't sound so excited. He's like, yeah, I guess. You, do you want 20 bucks? If you had 20 bucks, you could take your family out for lunch. Well, maybe lunch. You could almost cover lunch. Ask your dad to chip in another five bucks. You probably got it covered, right? So 20 bucks is yours. All you have to do is do whatever I tell you to do. Follow my instructions, okay? I call out the instructions, and you have to do them. You going to do that? We have an agreement. All right, now, he, you, he might need you to cheer him on. All right, so if he gets stuck, you're going to cheer him on, okay? All right, are you ready? All right, take one big step towards me. That wasn't hard, was it? Okay, I want to see five push-ups. All right, count them. One, two, three, four, five. All right, that's good. That's good. That, that's better than I could have done. All right, you ready? All right, now take one more step towards me, small step. Oh, I, that's good. That's all right. That was good. You, you're a little excited for the $20, aren't you? All right, now I want you to see you jump up and down three times. One, two, three, okay? All right, turn around backwards. All right, I got to take two small steps backwards towards me. One, two. All right, now turn around back towards me. All right, now I want you to spin in a circle three times. Two, three. All right, now take uh, two steps towards me. One, two. That was small steps. You're going you're to pull this out and drag it out a little bit, aren't you? All right. Um, I want you to um, sit on the floor Indian style. All right. Now stretch your legs straight out. Now touch your toes. Hey, you can do that. I didn't know if you could do it or not. Okay, you can stand up. All right. One, st one big step towards me, and you just won $20. All right. Good job. Good job, Max. You say, what does that have to do with anything in the Bible? What I was doing with Max was I was calling out plays for him. I was calling out instructions for him. I was giving him marching orders, so to speak. Take a step, that's a play. Do five push-ups, that's a play. Spin in a circle, that's a play. Take another step, that's another play. You know, today, this afternoon... Uh, many of you in this room, I know some of you go, I don't really care, but many of us will be watching the, the playoffs and the coaches will be calling out plays and the teams that run the play the best will win. The teams that put the play into action and the coaches call the plays and the players put them into action. I remember playing basketball growing up. We had a play, I'll never forget it because we ran it all the time. It was double down, pop out. Coach would call a double down pop out, which means two of us on one side of the lane would turn and we were to screen down so that the guard could pop out and hit a three-pointer. And inevitably, if we did it right, most of the time he had a wide open shot, shoot the three, and he'd make it. But inevitably, one of us would turn the wrong way, one of us would screen the wrong guy, we'd go in the wrong direction, and the coach would go crazy, just run the play, double down, pop out. It's a pretty simple play. You know, there's rewards, there's benefits when a play is called and it's ran correctly. Max, you just experienced that. I called the plays, you ran them correctly, you got 20 bucks. Go play some golf in the spring, right? There's always a benefit. And I got to tell you, our coach, God calls the plays. He's put together the play manual. 
He's put together the playbook. And he said, here's the play. I call them. Now you run them. You put them into action. When you put them into action in your life, there's blessings. There's benefits. There's rewards to that. Look again at Acts chapter 2, verse 42. He says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That means they were devoted to God's word. That didn't mean it was just some little cute verse that was thrown up on the wall. That didn't mean it was just a wallpaper on a telephone or on, on your computer screen. It didn't mean just a cute verse that we throw through social media. It means they slept, ate, lived, breathed the Word of God. They devoted themselves to this because they knew this is where life was. They knew if I live in this, if I study God's Word and I live with God's Word, then that's how life is going to be directed and guided in a way where we'll win. 2 Timothy 3 says, all Scripture is God-breathed. Now, let me stop there for a second, because sometimes I think we can read that too fast. Does it say some Scripture? Does it say a little bit of the Scripture? It says all Scripture is God-breathed. I mean, all of it, every single bit of it, from Genesis through Revelation, comes from the mouth of God, from the heart of God, from the mind of God. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All Scripture, God's manual. God's playbook, all of it comes from him to teach, to rebuke, to correct, to train. In other words, to give us instructions on how to live life. To give us instructions of, of how to do life so that the servant God may be thoroughly equipped. So that we have everything that we need to do God's good work. To be able to live in this world. I mean, In other words, you say, you mean there's guidance in here about how to be a mom? Yep, there's guidance about how to be a mom. There's guidance about how to be a dad, how to be a husband, how to be a wife, how to love people, how to care for people, how to forgive. How, how do I walk through this life? There's guidance in here about this? Yep, it's all in here. God has breathed that into existence. And he has given it to us. And he says, here's the playbook. Here's a playbook. Now, if, if we want to walk with God this year, we want to grow this relationship with this team of God, Jesus, and Holy Spirit, then we need to know the playbook. We've got to study the playbook. James 1 says, Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror, and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently in the perfect law gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed. He'll be blessed. That word blessed means happy or content or fulfilled. That we will be fulfilled in life if we look at the, the, the word. And so he compares it to a mirror and says, listen, you look intently. That is not a word of a passivity. That is a word that I will dig in. I will seek to understand. I'm going to look intently. I'm going to dig into God's Word. I'm going to study it. I'm going to read it. I'm going to try to understand it. And as I look at it, then I'm going to look at my own life, and I'm going to go away. I'm going to do what God's Word says. And it says, if we do that, there's blessing to come. There's $20 at the end of the chain, so to speak, because he's called the plays, and I followed the plays. Now, what happens in life is many times either we don't know what God's Word says or we know it and we ignore it. And when we either don't know or we know it and we ignore it, then we invite pain and suffering and difficult and hardship and stress and worry and all the stuff that we go, I don't want that in my life. And many times, 
many times we're walking in some trials of life because we either don't know it or we ignore God's Word. This is a great book. Do you understand what benefit we have before us in God giving us His written Word? And church, my concern is this. My concern is that Christians are becoming more and more biblically illiterate. We're not really growing in understanding the Word of God. We live in a culture today where we have the Word of God at our fingertips. We have it on our devices in terms of an app. We have it on the computer in any way you want to look at it. You can look on a computer and you can see 25 translations of Scripture in a heartbeat, just like that. You can look up a word and say, I don't understand that word, and you can click on another link and it'll give you an explanation of that word. We can study the Word and know the Word like we've never, ever had in history. In history. We used to have to, in Bible college, when they take us to teach us about a, a word study, you would look up a word in one book, and then you go to another book and go to like page 865 to find that word, and then go to another book and find another word in order to do a word study. And by the time you were done, you'd have six or seven books laid out before you trying to do a word study on just one word. We have now at the, the, the tip of our fingers to understand one word that's within Scripture. It's available to us. But what I continue to hear in our culture today is I don't understand the Bible. I don't know how to read the Bible. I, I don't get the Bible. I don't have time to read the Bible. It's really confusing to me. And I think that is Satan's lie that he has duped us with to go, this is crazy and difficult and hard, and so we just set it aside. And we stay so busy with life that we're running like rats in a, in a, in a wheel that... Uh, we never stopped to go, wait a minute, I want to get this thing with God's Word and me correct in my life. Look, look, at, look at Psalm 119 with me. I, I love the, the Psalm 119 for a couple of reasons. One is the psalmist just pours out his heart about the, the strength of God's Word, the power of God's Word. I love Psalm 119 also, though, because it is the direct center of the Bible. If you were to take and count up all those chapters... Divide them in half, you're going to go to Psalm 119, right dead smack in the middle. And I don't believe God did that by accident. And here's why. I don't have time to read all the verses, but let me just peruse through and hit some verses with you. Psalm 119, verse 1. Blessed are they whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. What does it say? You're blessed if you walk according to the ways of the Lord. To the, to the laws of the Lord. When it says laws, that means His Scriptures. We're blessed. There's, there's, a, there's a reward with that. Verse 9, how can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. How, how do we seek purity? How do we know the right way to live? we got to know the word. Verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. How do we overcome sin? Well, we study the Word. And as we know the Word, that helps us to exercise our, our muscles, so to speak, to fight against sin. And so we, we know the Word. Verse 16, I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your Word. I, I love it. I delight in your decrees. In other words, I look forward to spending time in your Word. I won't neglect it. You know what happens to something when you neglect it, right? You, you stop and think about it for a moment. If you have house plants. 
that they need so much water and so much sunlight, and if you give too much or you neglect that plant, that plant's going to die. You think about your car. If you neglect your car, if you don't change the oil and rotate the tires and do some general maintenance, and you just say, hey, let's just drive the thing, eventually the car is going to die. If you neglect your health and just say, forget it, I'm just going to do whatever I want to do and live life however I want to live, what happens eventually, it brings on health challenges within your life. If you neglect your marriage, many times that leads to a marriage that is falling apart and struggling, and many times down the road of divorce. Whenever we neglect something, it falls apart. You neglect your yard, and you don't put a little bit of fertilizer on it, the weeds take over. You neglect your flower bed. What happened? The flowers will die. Everything we neglect dies. And he says, I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Why would he not neglect it? Because he wants the Lord to be directing the ways of his life. He says, so I won't set it aside. I won't neglect spending time in your word. Verse 18, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. That's a simple prayer. When's the last time you prayed and said, Lord, I'm going to open your scriptures. and I, Lord, just open my eyes to see what you have for me. That's what the psalmist was saying. Open my eyes so that I can see the wonderful things that you have for me. Help me to understand it. Verse 32, he says, I run in the path of your commands, for you have set my heart free. Where does freedom come from? He says, when I run in the path of his commands. That's the scripture. When I walk or I run in the path of his commands, what happens? There's freedom. There's not stress. It's life is not tying me down. He says, I have freedom in that. Verse 35, direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. Turn my eyes away from the worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. I mean, he's praying, Lord, there's all this stuff in life. Turn my eyes away from it. What's the distraction of life that keeps you maybe from getting into Scripture? To pray, and Lord, take that stuff away from me. Give me no desire for, for that stuff. Give me a desire for your Scripture. Verse 59, I have considered my ways and have turned my steps to your statues. It's like the person who's saying, I've tried to live life on my own for a long time. I'm trying to do it all by myself, and it's not working what I'm trying to do. And he says, so I've considered your ways. He's like, I'm going to do it according to your way. I've turned my steps to your statutes. In other words, I'm not going to go in my direction. I'm going to follow the process. I'm going to follow the steps. I'm going to follow the direction. You tell me to take one step, Lord, I'll take one step. Lord, you tell me to jump, I'll jump. You tell me to do, I'll do. You tell me not to do, then I won't. He says, I've considered my ways, and my ways don't work. Verse 67, he says, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now, he says, I obey your word. He says, before, when I was afflicted, when I had trouble in my life, I was going astray. And he says, but now I'm getting back in the right path. What is it? I'm obeying your word. Verse 89. Your word, O Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Your faithfulness continues through all generations. You establish the earth and it endures. Your laws endure to this day for all things serve you. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts for by them you have preserved my life. Save me for I am yours. I have, fought, I have sought out your precepts. The wicked are waiting to destroy me, but I will ponder your statutes. To all perfection I see a limit, but your commands are boundless. I mean, he is just pouring out his heart for how great God's laws, statutes, commands, um, guidance is. And then he says in verse 97, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. What do we fill our minds with? Fill our minds many times with social media, latest movie, 
some kind of music. He's saying, I fill my mind with the Word of God, and I think on it all day long. So it's guiding my steps and directing my paths. He says, your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more insight than all my teachers. I wish I would have known that when I was a kid. You mean if I study God's Word, I can be smarter than my teachers? That's what it's saying. I get more insight than my teachers. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. And then in verse 105, he says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. The image of that verse is is so strong in my mind. Because he says, your word is a a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. He's thinking about a a lantern that they would have carried in that day for for lighting their, their path or for where they were going. So let's just consider this. Let's try this again. Go ahead and kill those lights for me, Christine. This is kind of what it would have been like. Not a perfect example, but if you're carrying a lantern along to light your path, you don't see way on down the way. Because the lantern has a very limited light view of what can be seen. And so when he's writing that, those words, he says that your word is a lamp unto my feet. What he's thinking is about is this. Not a light that's way up here, but, but a, light, a lantern that he would be carrying, walking along the pathway, and the path would be rough. There would be roots and there would be rocks. And as he goes along the pathway, the light is just staying out front enough of the person he's going down a path that he can see where he's going or where she is going. And so as they are walking, they're just keeping their eyes kind of down, watching where's the light going. Oh, the light goes here. Oh, there's a rock. Oh, there's a tree, tree root. Oh, there's a hole in the ground. Let's work our way around that. Okay, now let's Let's go this way. And they're not looking way ahead. They're just looking kind of where's that light shining? And where that light shines, it points me and saves me and directs me and warns me of what's in the pathway. That's the comparison the psalmist is talking about. Your word is a light, a lamp into my path. Your word is guiding me. Your word is directing me. Your word is show me where's the next step of life. What's the next step of life? He's not worried about what's way down the road. Just day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute, I live in your word and I look for your word to direct me of where to go and to what to do for life. That's the comparison the psalmist would have been thinking about in that as he writes those words. Go ahead and turn the lights back on there. It says, your word is a lamp unto my feet. In other words, how do I make it through this life? Day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute, week by week, month by month, year by year. I live in this. I say, Lord, you direct my paths. Lord, you light up where you want me to go in life. You show me how to walk in this life today. He goes on in verse 29, your statues are wonderful, therefore I obey them. They're wonderful. Your, your statues, your, your instructions are wonderful. And because they're so wonderful, because I know you have my best interest, I want to obey your word. I want to follow you. Verse 140, your promises have been thoroughly tested and your servant loves them. 142, your righteousness is everlasting and your law is true. Verse 146, seven times a day I praise you for your righteous laws. Great peace have they who love your law and nothing can make them stumble. Verse 169, may my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. He wasn't like seeking out understanding according to his mind. 
Lord, help me understand this life and how to journey in this life according to your word. Now, I have a homework assignment for you. Go back and read Psalm 119 this week. Just go back and read. It's 170-something uh, verses, 176 verses. Just take time and read it with a simple prayer. Lord, would you light my heart on fire for your word just as the psalmist is? Would you light my heart on fire? And you say, man, is it really that important? I don't believe that God does anything by accident. I believe it is on purpose that the very middle of our Bible is Psalm 119, where the psalmist lifts up the Word of God because the Word of God should be center to our life. The Word of God should be center to our relationship with this team, with God, Jesus, and Holy Spirit. That if we want to grow with God, then we've got to make the Word a priority in our life. We've got to make that a priority in 2019 and, and beyond. So let me just show you here some reasons why. You say, well, why do I make this a priority? Because the playbook has calls, has plays that the Lord has called for us. And sometimes we get ourselves in a pickle because we either don't know the play or we ignore the, or, or we ignore the play. And so I just randomly went through the Bible and said, Lord, what are some plays that maybe we should consider and look at for our lives? And so let me just show you some plays. And I just ask you as I share these verses with you, just a simple prayer. God, is that verse for me? God, do I need to hear that? God, do I need to act upon that? James 1.19 says, My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. He gives us a play, slow to speak, quick to listen. Why? Because that's helped control our anger. A good question to ask ourselves is, how am I doing in that area? How's my anger been lately? Ephesians 4, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. It's a good verse as we're getting ready to go to work tomorrow. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. What's the talk like with those who you work with, those who you interact with? What about at home, unwholesome talk towards a husband or a wife or towards your kids? That's a good verse for us to stop and go, he called the play. How am I doing with that play that he has called? Because the play says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out, but then only use word that benefit others, that will build people up. Ephesians 4, be kind and compassionate to, to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. That's a play. He called the play, be kind, compassionate, and he says, forgive people. Is there possibly someone in your life that you've been struggling with, and you're, and you're like, I need to forgive them, but I haven't done that? I'm holding on to unforgiveness. It could be that's the play you need to hear today. Ephesians 5.3 says, But among you there must not even be a hint, a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. In other words, not the smallest amount of sexual immorality or impurity or of greed. He says that that's not for God's people. I think it's a verse we probably could all look at and go, how am I doing there, God? How, how's that play going? Ephesians 6, children, listen close, kids. Obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. So he calls out the kids, calls out the young ones, and says, you obey mom and dad, and if you do, there's a result long life on earth. But then he comes and he says, fathers. 
and I think it's fair to say fathers and mothers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training of the instruction of the Lord. That word exasperate means don't make your children's life more difficult and hard than it already is. He says, you train them in the Lord. And so there's a verse there for both of us. Kids, you listen to mom and dad. And mom and dad, you raise your kids in the Lord. Don't make their life super difficult and hard. Philippians 2.14 says, do everything without complaining or arguing. I don't like that verse. Kind of hit me hard this morning because it was snowy, nasty snow. We got here early and Lane can attest because I was grumbling and complaining. I said, I don't want to be shoveling snow out here. Why don't someone else get over here and shovel snow? I don't want to be putting all the salt out. I got to be preaching this morning. Now someone else should be over here. And I was grumbling and complaining the whole time out there shoveling some snow. Because I don't like the snow. don't like the ice. don't like the cold. And the whole time God's going, Brian, aren't you going to be sharing that verse? Don't we all do that sometimes, though? Complain about the food, complain about the driving, complain about this, complain about that. We live in a world today where complaining is accepted and, and okay. Social media, I think, has magnified that because I can get on my social media account and I can spout off and I can complain and I can grumble. And then it spills over into our daily lives. And that was one that grabbed me this morning. It's a play he called and I wasn't doing so well of it earlier today. Philippians 4 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I love that verse. It's a prescription of how to have peace in our life. He says, here's the play. Don't worry about anything. But he says, pray and petition me with thanksgiving, present your request. And he says, what? And then I will give you peace. What's been bothering? What's been weighing heavy on your heart lately? What's been worrying in your mind? What's been stressing you out? There's the play that he calls and says, hey, I'll take care of these burdens for you, and I'll give you peace if you'll follow the play. Colossians 3, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. You know, tomorrow you might get up and you have to go to work, and the boss that you work for is not so kind or friendly. Or maybe today you're going to go home and you have to do some house cleaning. You're like, I don't want to be doing this house cleaning. I don't want to be fixing things up and taking care of this kind of thing. He says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as you work for the Lord. So when you take on that task, maybe it's a home task, maybe it's a work task, and you're going, I don't really want to be doing this. How do we change our mindset? And he called the play. He says, well, you work as you work for God. You're not working for man. You're not working for your spouse. You're working with God as your boss. Hebrews 10 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in a habit of doing, but let us courage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I love that verse because it's a reminder that why do we gather together? Today you could pat yourself on the back and say, Hey, I'm following the play. I gather together with the church. Today could have been the easiest day so far of this year for sure to say, I'm, I'm chucking it in. It's cold, it's wet, it's nasty, it's icy. I'm not going to church, but you all said, I'm getting up, I'm going to be at church today. I'm going to go worship. You follow the play. And God says, we encourage each other in that. 1 Peter chapter 4 says, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has. He has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Love each other deeply. 
because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality, kindness to one another. Who needs that from you in your life? Who needs you to just to love deeply, to help cover over maybe some wrongs that have been done towards you? Who needs hospitality to bring that encouragement? Who needs you to be using your gift? See, we go through Scripture, and that was just kind of a random choosing, going, God, which ones do I let them? You can go through Scripture, and if you read Scripture daily, and you make it a regular habit, every day you will see, man, there's a play God's called for me today. God's giving me my marching orders, or the instruction manual has spoken. Sometimes people say, man, I have a hard time getting in God's Word. How do I do that? I would encourage you, if you're not in God's Word, to pick a Bible reading plan, you can do that very easily using an app. There's several Bible reading apps out there. Pick a Bible reading plan and just say, I'm going to stay with this Bible reading plan. Or open up your scriptures, maybe like to the book of John, and just say, I'm going to read. And read with a simple prayer. I love to read scripture and say, God, will you speak to me? And you start reading it. And all of a sudden, this verse just jumps off the page. I'm like, oh, I needed to hear that. Because God said, that's for you today. And you know, you could be reading John chapter 5 today. You could read it a month from now. And you could read it six months from now. And every time you read it, a different verse jumps out of John chapter 5. Because, you're, because the word is living and active. And so I encourage you to make it a daily habit that you get into God's word. If you want to grow with the team of God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, this is a must. It's a must, church. And Satan does everything he can to distract us from this. Oh, I got work pressures. I got to have this, these reports turned in. I got to have these sales figures done. I got to accomplish all of this. Oh, I got schoolwork going on. I got to finish this paper and I got to get ready for this test. And, and this is happening next. And, and we live in this pressure cooker world. I would encourage you to flip schedules upside down and put this first. Put this first. And I, and I know that there's times when, when I struggled to put God's word first. I know that when God's word is first, Brian is much more at peace. Brian is, is much more being guided by the spirit in my life. Um, God is directing me versus me doing it on my own strength. I know that for a fact. Church, the best thing you can do in 2019 is say, you know what, this right here is going to become high priority. Turn off the television, turn off the social media, turn off the devices. Say, I'm going to start with God's Word. I'm going to make this a top priority in my life, and I'm going to do it little bit by little bit by little bit. It's kind of like starting to exercise. Just do a little bit, and it'll start growing, and a little bit will become more and more and more. And so, church, go on a journey this year. Make it a priority. Say, I'm going to get to know God. I'm going to get to know Jesus. I'm going to know how to grow with the Holy Spirit because I'm going to know his word.